I don't have the answer, Rob. All I know is that nobody has the answer. And unless people are really trying new things and really celebrating failure in what they're trying and not mediocrity as success, then I think we're going to get there. Hello and welcome. I'm Rob Levitt, and this is C-Suite Marketing. Today's episode is a conversation with Janice Fratamico, taken from ITSMA's recent Marketing Vision 2021 conference. Janice is a pioneer in relationship marketing, and she's spent more than 25 years building successful engagement programs with senior positions at Bloomberg, IBM, PwC, KPMG, SAP, and Citrix. And she's great to talk with. We really had a good time talking about executive engagement versus decision-maker engagement, whether email still even matters, and dealing with virtual event fatigue. We talked about the challenges of continuous innovation with C-level engagement, the absolute priority of maintaining top standards for quality and value, and the power of stories in demonstrating the value of executive level programs. And I even ended the discussion on time so she could get to her train to New York. C-Suite Marketing is sponsored by Boardroom Insiders, a business intelligence platform that makes executive engagement easier than ever. Learn more at boardroominsiders.com. Learn more about this podcast and all the work we do on executive engagement, ABM, and other B2B marketing issues at ITSMA.com. And please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And now for today's show. Janice, you have tremendous experience. You're at Citrix now. I'll ask you in a second, but um, we're really going to talk about uh, years of experience from IBM and SAP and Bloomberg and others uh, where you have been running uh, customer engagement, executive engagement, customer experience type programs. We have through yesterday and today spent a lot of time talking about how buyer journeys are changing, how engagement approaches are changing, the questions about hybrid models, looking forward, uh, and all of that. So again, I can't think of a better person to be our expert for this uh, last Experts Explained session than you, Janice. Um, oh, we but, need to set the bar a little lower. I want to. Uh, I want to overachieve. Not. Oh no, no, you will. I know you will. Um, so, Janice, quickly tell everybody what you're doing now. What's your your current role and 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 focus? Sure. At the moment, I am the uh, global vice president of field marketing for Citrix. Joined them earlier this year. Excellent, excellent. And uh, in my old stomping grounds of Philadelphia, right? Yeah, yeah, just outside of Philly. All right, excellent. All right, so we're going to um, have a conversation. I want to start with the most basic question. We've been, again, talking about this for the last couple of days, and it's a huge issue for all of us. But just why is executive engagement so important? How do you think about it? Uh, I think about it a little bit differently. Um, I don't think executive engagement is so important, which, I don't know, may get me kicked off uh -oh. even earlier. I think decision-maker engagement is important. And I think that that's where you've got to be purposeful. You know, if everybody 
you just wrote, you know, you just, you just named all of those um, companies that I worked for and all of our competitors, they're all after, they're all after the same executives. You only have time for so many friends in your life, right? I mean, it's just not, and, and by the way, everybody's going after them with the same strategies. So I think you've got to be really purposeful and not focusing on, I got to get to the C-suite. I got to get to this person. I got to get to that person. It's focusing on the people with whom you're going to make the right decisions for your company and who have the biggest impact. I mean, very often when I was at SAP, I worked for the CMO. There were so many times where she would be like, talk to Janice, you know, and I had the ability to execute, to find the budget, to get things done. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, it would be delegated to me or to my peers or to other people in the organization. So I think decision maker engagement is important. And I just want to make that clear because if everybody's going after the same people, you may as well give up. Yeah. I, you know, we did, um, we shared some of our new how executives engage research yesterday. Julie Schwartz, as you know, uh, always uh, does great work. But a couple of years ago, we, we asked the question about being a trusted advisor, another one of these cliches. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it was, uh, I guess, not shocking, but quite telling when we asked senior decision makers uh, and senior executives about how many trusted advisors do you have? The answer, the median answer was three. Yeah. Right. So to your point about everybody's going after the same executives, there's just not room. No, right? there's not room. And if everybody is trying to invite them to the Super Bowl and a virtual event and an in-person yeah. event, yeah. then, I mean, you're not even differentiating yourself in terms of how you're trying to engage people who don't have time to engage with you anyway. So I think companies have to be just very purposeful in, in terms of understanding who the right people are and what the right strategies are to reach them. No, exactly. And again, I mean, you've worked in a number of different kinds of companies. I mean, all, mm -hmm. all large scale B2B for sure. Um, but you have to understand, I think, what the decision makers are looking for from you. Because if you're at PwC or Citrix or IBM, they're not looking for the same things from you, right? Right. Right. They're not looking for the same thing, but they are looking to be, it's still the same emotion that's going to get them engaged. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what we forget. So, you know, when I was at, with IBM, it was, um, you really did have to be a true trusted advisor. I was working for GBS, right. you know, you were helping them make decisions in the hundreds of millions of dollars in terms of, of business strategies and processes. When I was working for SAP, it was software. It was sometimes it was, you know, small stuff. Sometimes it was big stuff. At Citrix, it's, it's you know, kind of down the other side of the, of the, um, of the street. But mm -hmm. you've got to be able to recognize that whether you're selling, whether you're going to be a vendor who's talking about opportunities for consulting in the hundreds of millions or software in the tens of thousands, you're still talking to a human being whether they're at the, you know, the top of the org chart or somewhere down the middle or the bottom, they're still going to react in the same way human beings do. And I think that that's where the real focus has to be identifying who the right decision makers are, identifying the level of trusted advisor status you need to have for them to make that yeah. right decision, and then 
identifying how humans work and making sure that you don't get sucked into this, like, well, my email is going to be way more important than all those other emails they're getting, or my event's truly going to be different. It's not. Right. You know, and so you really have to think about what's what do these folks value given their time, given their interest, given what's going to make them successful and offer that to them. Yeah. Not, you know, don't get sucked into I delete all those emails, but clearly nobody's going to delete mine. Kind of crazy. (laughs) Right. No, exactly. And, you know, Julie really underlined some of this yesterday as well. same people, same roles, same company, same industry, people have really different preferences for how they want to interact. You know, some people do read emails, some people don't. Some people yeah. listen to a podcast, some Nobody people don't. Emails, <laughs> it's emails. You know, it's amazing. I, I was with him, I'm like, has anybody ever said, I wish I got more email? <laughs> raise their hand. So, you know, let's, let's like, nobody reads their email. <laughs> I'm not sure, but I mean, people <laughs> delete probably 98%. But my, right, maybe I'm, my yeah. emails, Janice, I know people keep. Right? I read your emails. Oh, of, course, of course, of course, of <laughs> course. <laughs> so how do you understand with all this diversity, and again, the decision process is really different and who the actual decision makers are is different. So you're, you're coming into a relatively new role. How do you get a handle on what the decision makers are looking for from you, you know, in this new situation you're in? Yeah, I think you have to understand the value that you deliver to that decision maker that's going to give them a promotion. That's, so, yeah. Um, you know, what can I do for Rob Levitt that is going to be valuable to Rob, valuable to his company, and ultimately give him to showcase so that he gets promoted? So you identify that which is different depending upon what you're selling and what you're offering. You also have to identify even, I don't know, more so or equally so, what's a value to Rob's customers? whether those are ITSMA employees, whether they're ITSMA members, you know, what is going to be valuable to to those folks, the end users and beneficiaries of whatever I'm selling, and how can I showcase that? Because those are all the things that are ultimately gonna matter to Rob or to whoever my prospect is. So I'm not gonna give you a blanket statement on that because it really depends upon what you're selling and what you're doing, but it's, is this going to get my client promoted? And is this going to make, is this going to change the lives of his, whatever his customers are, yep. whether they're employees or end users in some way, how is that going to make them more successful? And I think if you hone in on those messages and you find the value in that, and then then the trick is to find a way to get that in front of the people. And I think you're kidding yourself if you think it's through those same strategies that haven't worked in the past, but if you double down on them, you'll get a couple more, right? Right. Um, I think you really have to think about what moves people as humans. So what is that kind of clickbait? What are they, you know, I was asked when I was leaving SAP, somebody who used to work for me there asked, hey, Janice, I want to like, what do you read? What do you look at? Where do you get your ideas in terms of how to reach people? And, you know, I want to subscribe to those, you know, journals or whatever. And I was like, nothing. 
that's like your standard kind of business, you know, journal or, or, or articles. I look at what I respond to and the world responds to as a human. So what are we watching? What are we buying, right? Are we all watching Ted Lasso right now? Why? Why? What is it about Ted Lasso that we're all connecting with, right? What are we buying right now? You know, do we all have a desperate need to buy, you know, whatever the, you know, the latest, you know, winemaker is or, you know, whatever the latest food is? Like, why are we responding to that? Why do we love pumpkin so much right now? You know, pumpkin yeah. is a flavor that tastes the same in April uh, yeah. as in October, right. but we like it now. Like, what is that hitting on from us in an emotional perspective? And that's how you start to come up with innovative ideas to reach people. When you look at what they're clicking, what they're buying, what they're watching in their regular life and try to somehow replicate that or reflect that in through your business communications. Is, no, I get that. Is, isn't there a balance, though? Again, you know, you left SAP, you came to Citrix, the human emotion, the what's kind of in the world right now, what's in the market right now, that doesn't change. But you're coming from a different place. And so you need to also, I think, because you're trying to do this at some scale, you need to get up to speed a little bit when you come into a new situation or program on what's that intersection between the general and the common and yeah. what's particular now to my business mm -hmm. so that I can but a lot of times that intersection is easy to find I mean think about right now what are what is everybody reading about it's the great resignation right okay yeah. so that's something that is impacting you no matter where you are in business well uh, you know, my company can help address. Oh, that, yeah. Right? But you're in a so great spot for that. Right? Yeah. Um, it was the same thing during the pandemic. Right. That was that was what was happening. People needed secure access to virtual workspace. We were able to offer that. Right. So what are we able to offer now that's responsive to the great resignation and the need to retain and attract employees you yeah. know so how can our software address that so i think there are things that are happening in the zeitgeist that you could connect what you're doing on and if i was sap you know i would look at the the software they have that addresses those things and the same thing when i was at ibm so that connection's not that hard to make yeah. now if i could do that wrapped in a pumpkin flavored muffin then maybe i have you know the the, the perfect recipe in order to reach right. people but right. it's What's happening in the zeitgeist? How does that address my customers and what they're worried about? How can I help solve that? And then how can I help promote it or get in front of them in a way that's reactive to, to how human beings receive information? Yeah, no, that's great. And you're right. I mean, you're in a very good position now in, in that sense. We talked a lot yesterday about the whole, the shift from enabling remote work, which was last year to now, retaining, attracting, developing, strengthening sure, the team selling, and talent. Right? And, yeah, yeah. No, and, and really yeah. enabling and your people. People are leaving who have to go into the workplace on a regular basis because, you know, it's super easy to body mull it every day and only get dressed from the waist <laughs> up, right? So if you <laughs> exactly. do that, I read that somewhere, the body mullet. I thought it was I like that. Um, I like that, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, off, Citrix has software that helps enable that now for a different reason, right? It's right. now not about 
needing to flip that switch because of the pandemic and you need roads, you know, remote secure access. But now it's because that's a selling point of companies to be able to offer that. Right. Right. And for the, the generation that's born digital, they have expectations that are very different from, you know, and maybe they don't value going into the office as much as I do. I mean, for me, I miss it for other folks. You know, they, they, they have an expectation now, the next generation, that they should be able to, you know, jump on the Peloton, do a conference call, run to lunch with their friends, come back and do another conference right. call and have that flexibility. So, you know, you kind of shift to be able to reflect the expectations of your buyers and what's happening in the world to make it relevant to yeah. them. Okay. Let, let's talk about operationalizing this in the field, right? So we are beginning to do some in person, you know, Julie shared some of the data yesterday and, and, you know, I work with Citrix. I know, you know, there, there are some meetings and small scale events and things like that. Um, but there's also so many contingencies and uncertainties. How are you thinking about kind of hybrid approaches, experiences in the field to build these connections and relationships? Um. I think one thing we're starting to do, first of all, we're starting to be honest with ourselves that, um, you know, when I first came here, there was a lot of conversation about virtual event fatigue. And I know this is ironic that I'm talking about it on a virtual event. So I recognize the irony. Um, But as a result, you still have to do some, right? I mean, this is an effective way to reach people, but let's dial down. If we're telling that people are fatigued by something, let's not do more of them. (laughs) You know, it was like we were saying it and then planning 10 more in the same, literally in the same sentence. And I was like, did we hear what we're saying? So um, reflect the fact that if, if you're feeling fatigued, so is everybody else. So don't do so many of them. Find, you know, other ways to reach people. Yes. People are craving in-person as well. So, you know, I think we're still trying to, uh, hey, look, you know, nobody's really figured it out because the stage of the pandemic and vaccination efficacy and everything else keeps changing. Um, I think this is a chance, though, and I always see these as huge opportunities to be innovative. Yeah. Um, I think you've got to understand and look at yourself and say, what do I respond to? Again, I go back to this human to human. And therefore, what do I put into the market for my customers? One thing I've always felt every time I've gone to an event, maybe this is just me. I often felt I could be speaking or I have a question or I want to say something. So, you know, don't do an event that really doesn't have true interactive capabilities for the people who are on it. And again, I know that the irony of, you know, saying this on a virtual event is not lost on anyone, but I still think, you know, people want to engage. And sometimes, you know, people go to real life events, sometimes not even for the content, it's just to see and network with other people. So you have to really provide that in a way that's fulfilling to those folks that they're getting it out of that. It's the same thing with, you know, with, with what you would expect with real events. When you're doing a real event and you think about that audience that you want to attract, don't, don't all of a sudden start to change, to, to lower your standards. So we're talking about executive engagement. Let's say you truly want to reach executives and there's a legitimate reason why it's got to be the people at the top of the org chart. What often happens, and this is across the board at every 
company that I've been at. We start with something that's a C-level event. And then when we don't get the C-levels, we're like, all right, well, we'll go to, you know, senior vice president. Well, let's go to managing director. The next thing you know, you've got the guy from the mailroom there. But you've also got those first three people who were executives that signed up too. And now you've all of a sudden changed the value. Yeah. So if you're going to do a C-suite event, don't all of a sudden lower your standards because you need to fill butts and seats because then you're going to start losing the C-suite who thinks they're going there because they have special access and they have special status. Yeah, it's a great point. that's what a lot point. of companies do all the time. Yeah. No, it's a great point. And it, it actually gets to another question I had, Janice, which is about the orchestration of this because you have, um, I mean, you've got a big remit. At, at, at Citrix, but not everything, right? And so there are a lot of teams, there are a lot of groups, there are a lot of players involved in putting these kinds of experiences and connections and relationships together, often with different metrics, incentives, KPIs, uh, like butts and seats, you know, if you're yeah. running events. How do you... Butts and seats should only be a metric when you're trying to do something to the general but not when you're trying to do an executive right. event. Right. If you're trying to reach executives, it should be the level of executive that you get and the engagement that they have. And you should be able to call an audible based on how many people you've got signed up. You don't change it. Don't change the experience for them for a metric that like does your metric value your attendee? Right. Yeah. Does it drive value for your attendee? Because if not, then change your metric. Because if you don't have that kind of selfless pursuit of excellence based on what's best for my customers and prospects that are coming, you're not going to end up ultimately in the long-term driving value for your company. So if I'm doing an executive event, because I really want them to understand how I can lower their cost of attrition and retention and all this other stuff, and I need CHROs there, and I've got a value proposition for them, then for me to say butts and seats is my metric doesn't serve them at all. Right. Right. And so I really do think we've got to stop measuring things in a traditional way that is easy. We've got to start measuring things in a way that deliver the most value to whomever our audience is. Yeah, and I love your point in there about value to the executives. Yeah. Um, you know, instead and, we're worried about the PowerPoint that we're going to doctor up afterwards that says three people came and it was great. Exactly. You know, like that's that's um, the you know you're 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 not doing it for the right reasons and in the long term it's not going to serve you well. No, it's funny. I flash back, Janice. Years ago, I was actually launching a kind of an executive advisory board and had a lot of questions about measurement. And I said, the most important measure is, do they, do they come first? And then especially, do they come back the second time? Yeah. Because yeah. the only reason they're coming back the second time is they found value the first time. When I was at SAP, and I think one of my, one of my favorite colleagues, I think is even watching right now from uh -huh. SAP. Hi, Jen, if you're there. <laughs> but we, um, you know, we did, we did some very specific, very innovative curated events. And the most important metric for those was immediately reaching out to the people who attended to say, was this valuable to you? Yeah. Would you come back? What was the best part? What was the worst part? What do you want to see more of? And then, and I have anecdotal success stories that I can share where the AE was able to connect with, in this case, and it was an event with that person in order to strengthen and further the relationship. 
those are the most important metrics. Yeah. Now, those are, they're kind of anecdotal. They're not something that you could put on a big, you know, Excel spreadsheet or whatever and show a big chart. But when I would get those stories and hear from an AE, yeah, you know what? I called her up afterwards. I talked to her about the event. I heard about what she learned there. And I was in, now I'm having lunch with her next week. And now there's potentially an opportunity. That was huge. And that was way more than me being able to say, well, I wanted 50 and only 25 came. Right. To be able to say that those 25 came felt value. And from those 25, maybe a quarter of them, we've got follow-up conversations and a relationship with them. You know, that's what I learned from. It wasn't, you, you've got to just have metrics that reflect the value that you're yeah. driving for, for the participants. No, we've actually, at ITSMA, we did research. Um, Julie Schwartz will be mad at me for not remembering exactly when, but within the last mm -hmm. couple of years, looking at executive engagement programs and effectiveness, and one of the real dividing lines between the leaders, the most effective programs and others, was that they really focused on value to the customer and participant, yes. not just, you know, um, activities, outputs, or even pipeline. You yeah. know, it's... Yeah, yeah. I mean, we recently I... did, you know, we, we were struggling with, you know, in 2020, our big signature event was canceled. So we did it virtually like everybody else did. Wasn't terribly... I don't, I don't think it, you know, I don't think anybody's virtual event really achieved what they were hoping, right? It didn't, it wasn't, a, a, you weren't able to replace it. So this year, you know, we looked at, all right, what's a better way to do it? And instead of measuring butts and seats or virtual, you know, clicks or eyeballs, there was a series of launchpad events that went through LinkedIn Live. And they were really press announcements in terms of, new partnerships and new capabilities of Citrix software. So instead of saying, all right, how many people can you drive to a virtual event? As we're saying, people are fatigued by that. We said, all right, you know what? Some, a lot of times at these big user events are platforms for big announcements. Let's make the big announcement. Let's make our metric be press re outreach. Um, you know, how many people saw the yeah. story? How many mentions are we getting, et cetera? And then let's take the content and let's embed that into what we're already planning to do between now and the end of the year. And let's reach out to those few people who did tune into LinkedIn Live, but that wasn't our goal. Mm -hmm. Our goal was not how many people tuned in. Our goal was now that we've put the announcement out there and we've been able to articulate increased value that our company is delivering, how do we then take that and apply it in a way that will reach those key decision makers? Right. And I think it was a very brave decision made by Citrix, and I think it was a smart decision made. Yeah. Well, we call it engagement for a reason, right? <laughs> it's not just yeah. quick interaction. Yeah. Um, but, you know, a lot of people still tried to do in 2021 that virtual event where they measured attendance. Right. And you might be able to measure attendance, but you can't measure how many people are shopping at the same time. You know, well, that's the thing. And, and, and uh, you know, in a way, digital gets us in trouble because we can measure so much of those kinds of yeah. relatively superficial metrics. Yeah. Right. But we have no idea how many people watching us right now are on Amazon, right? Ordering exactly. their Halloween costumes. Exactly. So, well, you know, me, Janice, they're paying rapt attention. I know that. No, well, now, yeah. <laughs> in all those other sessions. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, why is this so complicated to orchestrate? I mean, across a big Because company. everybody's trying to figure it out, right? 
Um, and it's just becoming more and more complicated because the expectations of your audience are continuously going up. Yeah. So what I expect as a consumer, I expect as a business buyer as well. Right. And, and I think that there's even more challenge when you're selling technology, because you better get it right. Right. If you're selling data and analytics and the capability of people to make decisions, you better be hitting the right people with the right message or else you're sort of, you know, you're, you're, you're contradicting your own message by not applying it in the right way. So I think there's a lot of pressure. Um, I also think there's fear. I do think that we're part of an industry, or at least I've been part of an industry that is often celebrated or accepted mediocrity as success because it's so hard to do. And, you know, if we won 100 and we got 50 to sign up and 10 showed up, we celebrated that as a success instead of learning from it, being honest about what the results were and then making the changes based on that because it's hard. People are traditionally risk averse. Um, they don't want, you know, it's like the, the, yeah. the you know, what I want to do what I know versus what I don't. So you're talking about risk-averse cultures. You're talking about where it's really hard to figure it out. And you're talking about traditionally celebrating mediocrity in a way that doesn't help you try to drive future innovation. And I think if that changes, then we'll start seeing people throwing stuff out there. You know, I said, if you're going to click on what Game of Thrones character are you as a human, what's the, what is the analogous email that we can send people in order to get them interested in whatever we're selling? And you've really got to think about what's clickbait, you know, for everybody and how to kind of translate that into what you're doing in, in, uh, in your business world. And the same thing with events. Like, yeah. what are you interested in? How to keep them interested and just keep innovating. I don't have the answer, Rob. All I know is that nobody has the answer. And unless people are really trying new things and really celebrating failure and what they're trying and not mediocrity as success, then I think we're going to get there. Oh, exactly. And I'm really, I know we're like basically out of time here um, and you have to catch a train, um, but I just <laughs> to, super quick, I flashed on um, uh, we've had a, a woman named Carmen Simon. I did a podcast with her on this and she's spoken at past events. You may know her, but you know, we fall into as marketers, the fallacy of people have short attention spans. Yeah. And you mentioned Game of Thrones, right? They don't, right, yeah. It's like people don't have short attention spans. We're just not engaging enough or compelling or relevant enough to keep their attention. Exactly. So we have to hold but ourselves. Also, yeah. Think about why human being doesn't have enough time to watch a two-hour movie, but they'll have enough time to binge four episodes of Ted Lasso. Right. So, so what is it? Why is human behavior reacting that way? How can we then change that in terms of you know like what we're sending them in in a business perspective? So what's our what's our version to get them to binge watch something instead of sign up for something that's four hours? Doing it in a little bit here, right? It's like keep keep you know hopefully they're binge yeah. watching. TSMA right now. But I think it's, it's first of all, just holding ourselves to that higher standard, right? Yep. That we should be aspiring to that. Totally. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yes. Stop congratulating mediocrity. <laughs> Hold yourself to higher standards, push innovative new things. And when they fail, learn from them and try yep. something else. Love so it. that's my. That is a great way to close, Janice. I love it. 
I'm going to let you go. I know you literally have to run to the yeah, train. Yeah, yeah. And Thank welcome you. everybody to connect with me on LinkedIn. I see a lot of great yeah. conversation from Splunk and Accenture. Christine, my sister, works for Accenture. Oh, She's fabulous. actually on my way to New York to see her right now. Oh, great. So, um, so yeah, all good stuff. I look forward to, to connecting with everyone. Thanks very much for listening. Please let me know what you think of the episode and any suggestions you might have about other guests or topics for future podcast conversations. Check out other episodes of C-Suite Marketing on ITSMA.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And thanks again to our sponsor, Boardroom Insiders. Have a great day. Music.